Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. All right, today we have a Bitcoin banter episode. This is where we get together on the Discord server. If you want to link to that, it's in the show notes. Um, We cover all sorts of stuff, including the memes and lightning and development and pie in the sky price predictions. So it's a very well-rounded episode and I always have the most fun doing the show is recording these episodes. So I want to thank all the guys that participated in here is Brady, uh, Randy, Sauced, Dan, and Jeff. If you'd like to support the show and support making content like this, we do need your support. So go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. There's all sorts of free ways to support the show as well as memberships and monetary stuff, uh, which is always needed. All right, let's get into it. Was that pretty good, Randy? The Bitcoin and friends? Yeah, it's pretty funny, man. It's worth uh, checking out. Oh, there he is, right when I ping him. At the same second. Oh, yeah. So the the big mystery with with um, Bitcoin and friends is who made it. Do we we don't know yet? Know that? Do we? Who financed it and all that? What is that? I have no idea who made it. If you uh, sauced, if you go to the general chat. You can see where we, uh, Randy just posted the Bitcoin and friends. It's like a 30 minute cartoon episode that came out that <laughs> involves <laughs> B and he like, it starts with him being created by Satoshi and then, um, goes through, I don't know, early days of Bitcoin. He's trying to find his father and all this. And then every 10 minutes he pukes up these little versions of himself, 50 little Bitcoins. And the episode ends. Well, I won't spoil it. <laughs> but uh, wow, that sounds it, awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's really I cool. I didn't hear about this. It was pretty yeah. great, actually. And there's uh, some vlogs that are posted too. Like they were trying to cast for the parts of Metallic and and Roger Pear, and they're like begging Vitalik and Roger Ver to like come and play the parts of their alt, like uh, alter egos on the show. So good. Wow, this looks legit, actually. It is. It's like some, it's adult, like a, some adult swim quality. Reminds me of like yeah. Adventure Time. 28,000 views or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's like, uh, I mean, it was high dollar. They spent a lot. They had the soundtrack and everything, you know. Yeah, the um, the voice actors were great. I think uh, so. <laughs> Dorian Nakamoto was amazing, and then like <laughs> the, the Japanese woman that was like their landlord or something, and just like screaming at them in this like this amazing Japanese, like talking a hundred like a hundred miles an hour. It was hilarious. All right. It gets a little racy a little bit, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Some of the jokes in there, but it's uh. 
I was a little surprised. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be getting a ton of mainstream attention because because of some of that stuff. You know, like there's this part where there's like a couple of homeless guys that are literally just like whip out their dicks and start pissing all over the place. And it's like literally like very anatomically, pretty anatomically correct, you know, animated penises. That's so, like perfect Bitcoin though. That's like Satoshi's place. It is, place. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah, and then like like he on that main um cover art there that's blood someone got shot yeah so like it's it's a uh, graphic too right it wouldn't be bitcoin if it was mainstream right <laughs> there's just another great example of like just the quality of bitcoin content whether it be like educational or entertaining or kind of both at the same time which this one kind of is because it actually fits in some like pretty decent basic education about the history of Bitcoin and kind of how it works a little bit uh, amongst all the, the humor. And this is just another example of like Bitcoin content is just getting better and better uh, as these waves of adoption happen. The quality just keeps stepping up. It's yeah. all happening organically. Agreed. Bitcoin is, we're good at the memes. Mm-hmm. Like the, I love the trader memes. Where like one of the best ones is the Saving Private Ryan. Have you guys seen that? I only have seen that one. Oh my god, oh, that yeah, is so good. great. Yeah, I know yeah. Like he's going up on the beach and a bomb falls next to him and it's all these little Ethereum logos as shrapnel <laughs> that's like hitting him and then like they show a guy's arm get blown off and it's like wrecked, wrecked, wrecked. Uh, it's it's really good. Oh man, I've gotta i I've gotta check that one out. Uh, one that it come, pops into my mind that I remember from last year, like uh, maybe it was from 2017. Um, I think it was Whale Pool that did it. Uh, and it was like this shitcoiner meeting. It was like a dubbed, like a, it was, it was in some foreign languages. I don't know what it was, maybe Pakistani or something. And um, there's just this group of uh, guys sitting in this room and it's, it's all like uh, in, in, it's not in English, but it's um, subtitled in English. Which is, you know, it's the subtitles are not at all what they're actually saying, but it was just like these, these, uh, you know, represented like Ethereum people and cashers and stuff, like starting to argue with each other about how Bitcoin is like, we've got to, we got to band together and take down Bitcoin, take down the king. Uh, it was supposed good. to be a flippening. It was supposed to be a flippening, and where? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they just all start yelling at each other, and like they hate each other. They all turn on each other in the matter in a matter of like two minutes or three minutes. That it reminds just, me of the the Hitler, the Hitler meme. Yeah. Hey, you know, I just found the um, Saving Private Ryan one. I'm about to, can I post it in general? Oh, yeah, yeah please do. <laughs> I think it's one of them. I think there's like like two other different ones, I think. But yeah, this one's pretty funny. You know, these guys that did this cartoon should actually work on the proposed what is bitcoin video for uh, bitcoin.com so if somebody out there hears that you should suggest that to them because <laughs> it's like a ongoing thing that hasn't been resolved <laughs> it'd be funny <laughs> bitconnect investors i'm watching it right now <laughs> right oh i got another good one let me uh pull up my twitter here it was just like two hours ago. I retweeted it. 
<laughs> okay, I got to stop watching this. Were there any questions on that on your Twitter? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Let me get to that in just a second here. I never use the. I always use TweetDeck, and I don't know my way around even just a plain Jane Twitter. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is, but it it hasn't really gotten a lot of love. Um, but I retweeted it. It's a video of the BitConnect uh-huh. short story. Pretty good. Cool. All right, let's see. We did have one question from Twitter when I put that out. Let's oh, see. hey, real quick. I've been yeah. sorry, man. I, I was on mute. I've been trying to find it was um, Jim BTC. He did the Watchmen. Um, yeah, that scene, the, that meme. Yeah, he was the ultimate memer. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get that one to post that in the chat because that was that was a great one. Sorry. Go ahead with the, your question. No, I'm trying to find it here. Um, OK, this is from. Cyber of mine, 12. He's at, he's been following the show for a long time. Uh, let's see. He said kind of a, in a joking way, obviously, um, how to time the top of the next bull run question mark. That's what he wants us to talk about. Oh, okay. That'd be fun. So who has some comments on that? Generally a good indicator for me is when, people who you think never would have gotten into crypto start texting you out of the blue asking if it's a good time to buy ripple that's a really good one (laughs) (laughs) i remember remember, uh reaching out to people like kind of toward the top uh in 2015 and just like like people who had worked with in the past like or tech kind of people coders coder people um that I'd worked with maybe even in college and project stuff. I'm just like, Hey, are you into Bitcoin too? Like you watching this thing? And, and one of my, like, these are the guys that I just like respected the hell out of. He was a game developer, super smart at uh, math and just kind of whiz and um, was coding up his own, like first person shooter games and stuff, like doing all the graphics and everything from, from um, in code. And it was, he was amazing. And then he went on to do like a bunch of high frequency trading stuff. So I was like, I'm sure he's he's into this. And so I call him. He's out in San Francisco working for some startup. And and I'm like, so yeah, so I've been watching Bitcoin and learning more, learning more about it and getting into it. And he's like, oh, dude, I just bought Ripple the other day. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. I had so much respect for you, man. I was for sure that you wouldn't have fallen for that shit. <laughs> That's all he could talk about was Ripple, Ripple, Ripple. So we, we had a long talk. Uh, and you know i think he's a hodler now so there's so there you go nice yeah i just think it's about what like roughly 20x the bottom isn't that about right because the bottom was about 180 um in 2014 and then or 15 even and then it went up to 20,000. so how many x would that be 10x no that would be 20x. Uh, well, yeah. Um, oh, my close, God. Close to 20x. Public math. <laughs> You're saying from Jesus. 180 to 18,000? Yeah. Would that be 100x? Yep, it would be. You're right. Yeah. But the top, I guess, from the top to the next top, then, is what I'm thinking of. It's 20x. Yeah. 
that's kind of a rule of thumb. But yeah, also the Ripplers and uh, I run a meetup here in Omaha and well, for a little bit while longer. And we had just people coming out of the woodwork and yeah, ask, they needed to have a Bitcoin. They needed to have a Bitcoin right away. Um, and so that's kind of when, you know, and that was very close to the top. And I think he ended up spending 16, 17 grand on it. <laughs> well, there was all the scams too that were coming through. Some either the U the USI tech, and then there was even, I guess I don't know. I consider the cloud mining pretty much scam, scammy. Well, cloud mining can be very profitable in a bull market. Really? But yeah, it, it can be. Um, More profitable than just buying the Bitcoin. Yeah, because the hash rate can't go as fast as the price. You know, so if the price doubles, the hash rate's not going to double. The lag. Yeah. So it it takes, takes, I don't know, maybe a couple months to catch up. And then by that time, it's doubled again, right? So, uh, and then you saw in 2018, the hash rate kept climbing, even though the price had crashed, because it just takes that freaking long to catch up. Um, Yep. It was quite a long time too, right? Like when was the, when was the hash rate low? It was not uh, that long ago. No, well, it started following falling last October, I think. Yeah, and it's funny; it just it happened to coincide with the end of the rainy season over there in China, too. So, when does the rainy season start back up? Um, the rainy season goes from like March to October. Okay, so they just started. Yeah, rainy season. Yep. Now, I think yeah, I think those are. Those are all good indicators. The hash rate's not definitely not going to be a good indicator of top, like you said, because it's still lag, lag so far behind. But yeah, I think that there's good anecdotal stuff. Um, time of year too. Look at the Mount Gox was November, December. The top last time now was December. So yeah, and like in countries where you got to, you know, if you're paying taxes, uh, it's best to kind of try to claim your claim the profits or whatever that you're going to use to pay taxes with on your gains for that year in the same year in which you're actually doing the trades. And then you don't have a sort of cycle of like, you know, you've always like, you know, I cashed out in January, 2018 for my taxes. Cause I did, was doing short-term trading at the time. I'm doing much less of that obviously now, but um, I think it's one of those just like processes of learning. People will be like, Oh, this is a fun like slot machine to play. And, and you like, just you know you can do it and anybody can make money doing it in the bull market obviously um Mm -hmm. so it's but it's a 24 hour seven day a week grind uh, that's just like impossible to keep up for most people and not make mistakes uh and so anyway then i you know I, i just had to pay taxes again on the those gains that i realized in january paying uh selling to pay for 2017 taxes so then you're just always on this like year lag behind you know and if you want to stop um kind of do a lot less short-term trading and just kind of start focusing on long-term so that you can take advantage of long-term uh capital gains taxes uh which is a lot less than the short-term taxes um then it's best just to go like take that at the end of the year. So maybe that I think that might have something to do with the people taking profits at the end of the year so they can pay their taxes. And of course you got holidays uh, spending and stuff to take care of too. 
Well, and uh, Korea and China, their culture over there is like gambling, right? Korea, unfortunately, I, I hate to, I'm not like racist or anything, but that's just the truth. They, they play penny stocks a lot over there, right? And um, so they, when it comes to the end of the year and they're having their New Year celebrations and stuff and they have to do gifts and all that kind of thing, they're going to, you know, sell their Bitcoin because they're not like ideologically um, into it. There, there, there are, of course, a lot over there that are, but I would say the vast majority are, you know, the day trader types. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, let's see, we had... When I was in Thailand, I was telling you about that. Uh, when we, one of the, man, the main exchange in South Korea came and there was a meetup there with like, I don't know, 60, 70 people. And they gave a presentation on their exchange. And we basically asked them, do, do people know what Bitcoin is? And they were like, oh, yeah, it's what we use to gamble with. They had like no clue of any of the fundamentals. Like they, the the people that they that came to speak about the exchange, they didn't even really grasp what Bitcoin was. And at that point, that's when I knew I was like, man, we're in a lot of trouble because, <laughs> uh, you know, they don't get it yet. So, yeah, well, it's also a generational thing. Last the last generation of Bitcoin was a ton a ton of speculators and you know people that instead of going to the roulette wheel they'll go to shit coins so uh, but the generations before that are different the, we had the gold bugs and before that we had like libertarian crypto anarchist types so i don't know if this if it'll be the same this time around or not i i think so i think so yeah, there's there's more there's more uh, there's different things that could enter it. It could be a city that takes Bitcoin, or it could be institutional investors that spark the next bull run. But and it might not even be the U.S. So I, I, I'm waiting for some non-U.S. thing to happen. Well, speaking of gambling, what about North Korea? Or not speaking <laughs> of gambling, I guess speaking of Korea, what about North Korea? <laughs> they have a. Um, didn't they have like over a hundred thousand bitcoins or something? They just that I know came they out? have I know they have a pretty large Monero bag, if I recall, from uh uh ransom mare uh finding, I believe. Uh yeah, I don't know where I, I think I heard that on some podcast. They're talking about North Korea had a freaking stockpile. And that's interesting too, because if you think about it, the the first country or the early countries to adopt it are gonna be better off, right? And so that could be the true flipping, where these the rich countries now end up being poor, Bitcoin poor. What do you guys think about that? Interesting I think eventually, idea. I I do think eventually there's gonna be a flock to uh, wanting to have a reserve, um, but I, I don't think anyone, I, I forgot who was talking about this, but I don't think any country necessarily wants to be the first, but they don't want to be the last. Um, That's the hockey stick moment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
then it starts happening double speed until it's just done. Well, you guys, you guys have probably seen the chart where it shows that it, the cycles lengthening out and getting less, um, I guess crazy. Like if you, have you guys seen that chart? Yeah. Like the volatility is kind of slowly decreasing and, and it's a logarithmic growth curve. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like slowing down, but I think that's like, it's because we're just going, we're just completing the blade of the hockey stick right now. So as we go through maybe another two or three years, that blade of the hockey stick will be complete. And that's when we really hit because think, yeah, if countries start adopting and flooding in and institutions, I mean, there's just not enough Bitcoin to go around. That's when it goes from that. It goes from a hundred thousand to 10 million in one year or something like that. It'll level out and then it'll start a curve upward. It'll be like an inflection point. I don't know when that'll be, but it's, you know, ways off, but it'll be an an inflection point where it curves upward instead of a sideways, like a, so I think, I don't know if any of us will be alive when that actually happens though. I think we will. I kind of get the feeling that, uh, each, each, uh, bull run is going to feel like it could be the one. Like I, I just, I think that's the way it's going to be, and we, we're just not going to know which one it is. Never sell all of your Bitcoin. All right, try to try to time the tops and bottoms, um, but don't do it with all your Bitcoin. Just just in case, because you know, things may change. The cycles may change um, as this thing takes off. So, yeah. And another thing about this question uh, was also the mayor multiple too. I mean, you can. If you get super extended over the 200 day moving average, then mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good sign. What, like, I think it's the average of three. So if you hit three on the mayor multiple, you better be taking some money off the table. Yeah. Easier said than done if you're a hodler, though. Oh, yeah. Like in the past, we've talked about how Bitcoin has kind of like an organic characteristic to it. And this kind of like ties into the logarithmic growth curve and that it display like a lot of organic systems display this kind of growth curve that. But if you look at the market, it has an upper bound and a lower bound. And so even though the overall curve is in a logarithmic it it has you know these oscillations up and down within boundaries so i mean that's a little crazy but no that's think- that's interesting I, I made me think of my my son he's 2 now and like they grow really quickly from 0 to 1 and a half like their bodies they're putting on like 5% a, a, a month or something right but then when they hit about 2 years old they plateau, but their brains are developing. So their bodies kind of hit a period of slower growth, but their brains are developing. And that's kind of similar to a Bitcoin cycle, right? We have explosive growth, then we kind of consolidate and we build the infrastructure. So that's a very interesting analogy. 
I'm posting some uh, charts and it, I kind of uh, created the upper and lower boundaries based on like the logarithmic growth curve. And like, that's the thing. That's one of the things like what we're talking about, this thing's going to level off. And then once it levels off, I mean, if you take in any kind of like trig or like calculus, like that's going to be the inflection point where it curves it like I see. I don't think we're going to be alive when it happens, though. I mean, <laughs> I think that's the bad news because it might level off. I mean, I mean, well, we might be much older. You know, it might happen in like the 2041 time frame. Anyway, if you can see the uh, the the last chart that I posted. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, how it's slowing down. Right. And you can but you can see it at those prices, though. It's still I mean, you'll still be able to swing trade like I mean, those prices are still like going to be insane. But uh, anyway. Well, yeah, and as it gets more institutionalized and there's more, you know, like ETFs and futures products in every country is going to have them, you know. So um, as that happens, there's going to be these whales that are trying to take your money. So, of course, there's going to be uh, 10, 5% days probably, maybe not 10% days, but there will be the slowest Bitcoin will get over the next 10 years is probably going to be um, you know, 5% days. <laughs> so here's something interesting and kind of going back to the original question still, um, and talking about mayor multiple stuff. I just posted that, uh, link to mayor multiple.info in the chat. And yep. you can check out this chart too. It's interesting. So the peaks of the mayor multiples, uh, the first one happened in, uh, let's see, June of 2011 at 14 uh the mayor multiple is 14 and then in april Whoa, of 2013 yeah april 2013 it, it spiked up to eight and a half and then in november of 2013 it spiked up to 6.6 .6. and then the peak in 20 uh set late 2017 early 2018 it was 3.8 so the peaks are getting of the mayor multiples are getting much lower and kind of cut in half so we may see a mayor multiple of like two or two and a half um maybe three oh it's by trace mayor yeah yeah they they somebody named it after him he didn't name it after himself um, uh. <laughs> but yeah um he had talked about it a lot yeah 200 days pretty commonly used apparently by these like you know commodities traders or stuff people that are playing long-term games um and yeah, and he mentioned it like probably 10 times. So someone made that website and called, named it after him. Mm -hmm. uh, I see, I see. So yeah, simulations performed by Trace Mayer determined that in the past, the best long-term results were achieved by accumulating Bitcoin whenever the Mayer multiple, which is the multiple of the current Bitcoin price over the 200-day moving average, was below 2.4. If it goes over 2.4, then you can start... Um, like averaging out, I guess would be a way to put it. Kind of start selling yeah. in stages. Okay. Well, and it also seems like there's 30% drops. Like if you go back and look at the the run up in 16 and 17, we had multiple 30% pullbacks. Um, 
so yeah, if you're, if you're trading, just wait for a 30% pullback <laughs> and then sell when it doubles and then, <laughs> then, uh, buy the next pullback. Yep. I have to admit, I, I dumped some Litecoin yesterday, man. I I accumulated some over the last couple like months or whatever, and I just dumped it last night. I was okay with it. <laughs> so make make some more Bitcoin. Stack your sats, man. Right. You. Right. <laughs> like Matt O'Dell said on our, on our episode, I asked him about that. It was like the the ethical. Um, kind of conflict of using buying shit coins for the purposes of making more bitcoins and he was like man you do what you do you yeah. do what you got to do to stack more sats you just don't publicly pump that shit i want to sleep at night <laughs> for every buy there's a sell so if they want to buy it it's a free market yeah but 99 percent of people are gonna lose money doing that sorry go ahead jeff I was, I was going to say, how long do you think um, Litecoin's going to, uh, I mean, do you think it's going to keep going up? I mean, it's because of the have, having, right? Is the cancel, it, is that why you think it's going up? Or Yeah, I think so. I think it'll peak in July. Yeah. Is that right before the happening? The happening yeah, is I August think. 8th, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Back to uh, catching the top, though, I was thinking a safe way is just to counter trade that CNBC show or whatever. Like, <laughs> just counter trade the uh, headlines and you might be OK. I don't know. Not financial Wait, advice. Right. Was it that Alistair guy on Twitter that was he kept a spreadsheet of all their calls from the that. last bull market? And yeah, they were atrocious. <laughs> Yeah, they got stopped out like every single time. <laughs> yeah, that's another good kind of. A, it's one of those anecdotal indicators, like and are similar to getting a bunch of te texts from like old friends and family, um, right. asking you about Bitcoin. Because I think you know that that signal gets gathered gathered up by CNBC, and they're like, "Oh, there's all this chatter out there. Let's give let's give the audience what they want." Let's tell you know them. Let's the, tell them exactly how to buy Ripple at two dollars and sixty cents, step by step. You know what the next, the next top. My instead of family members and and people off the street ask, asking you how to buy Ripple, it will be like institutions or these. I know here in Omaha, as you drive down the main drags, you see these big buildings of all these wealth management right uh, outfits. Well, they're going to start contacting people public people in the space so that might be like a sign of the next top because it's going to be a different cohort that gets in this time i don't know just thinking out loud the next time bitcoin breaks 20k people are going to be like man i should have been buying the whole time that's i mean that's the way i see it is you know they're they're going to look back and be like oh wait i should have been buying this whole time it went from be 20 so funny it went from 20k to 20k in like three like three years or something people are gonna freak out i think there's gonna be a lot of people trying to attempt to short it um might work at first but i think that um in the long run they're gonna get obliterated what do you mean like short it uh on 
on the run up to 20k again i mean if you look at the charts it's clear that obviously 20k was his top um so i mean the normal person um would you know most likely take a trade at previous all-time high um on the short side but um, I think that could actually be fuel for um, a continued leg up and just slicing that. So um, personally, I wouldn't, I mean, as a, you know, bull bias um, Bitcoiner, I don't think uh, generally that's a good idea. Are, um, are you in the financial industry? Not officially, no. Okay. Because that sounds like a, an expert opinion, and I, I heard multiple people talking about market structure and things like that back in 2016 before we had broken all-time high, and they kept talking about, oh yeah, this this market structure is broken, and people are going to be shorting this, and you know, yada yada yada. Uh, and then when we would have one of those 30% corrections, they'd be like, see, blah blah, uh, I was right, or they were right. Um, but yeah, then they end up getting wrecked. Maybe maybe they scalp like a thirty percent correction, but um, shorts are going to get toasted. What what I think it is is, um, I just overall think that it's very just uh, human psychology driven, um, and really just understanding and expecting what people are potentially gonna do, and um, seeing you know what the current narrative is. And uh, I mean, it, in my mind, it's pretty already pretty clear people are going to attempt to short that 20k level and um i just don't think the um risk to reward ratio is there um if you're a long-term uh bitcoin bull yeah and, and I, I don't know who said the quote but uh it goes something like um the average person is pretty dumb which means half <laughs> the population is you know dumber than that dumber than that yeah and and like so i don't you know whether they short or what it doesn't matter what they do i think a lot of people will get wrecked and like i don't know well yeah and I'm, i want to bring in the altcoins into this because i'm so anti-altcoin but um <laughs> you ansel you <laughs> <laughs> like these these big investors that think they're going to come in and short the top and all this stuff um are they going to be fooling around with number five altcoin no that, that i just what do you guys think about how does bitcoin pull away i think bitcoin has to pull away from these altcoins for the next cycle what are your guys thoughts yeah i think that makes sense you know so if i think one decoupling um kind of route i guess or cause would be institutional money because like you said they're i mean if they're going to get into crypto they're going to be super cautious and they're already being super cautious because of just the the custody question isn't really answered adequately for this big money you know and, and they, they have very serious legal responsibilities fiduciary responsibilities to be cognizant about and so they, you know they got to do everything um properly and and uh yeah i i just i don't see massive institutions laying one two three four five percent of their portfolios 
into like Litecoin <laughs> or or Ethereum or even even you know um, they're gonna go in, into into Bitcoin and all of the custody solutions are going to be built for. Uh, in, you know, institutional custody solutions will be built for Bitcoin. There might be a few built for Ethereum and a couple others, maybe I guess, but uh, I doubt that those will do very well. Uh, and so you, I think that could de- definitely lead to the decoupling. I was just gonna ask, and then what do you think about those uh, crypto index ones that hold baskets of like top five? Um, I, you know, as a you know long-term Bitcoin bull, I I don't think that it's too far-fetched to say that there's going to be interest in other altcoins. I just think, just psychologically speaking, people are always going to be looking for you know the alpha return, and um, you know altcoins do have that potential. Um, but is that to say that institutions are completely going to ignore that? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think they will completely. I think that it, it's it's possible that they might, in in for the most part, ignore that stuff because it's just not like they'll. I think they'll see it as too too risky. Uh, but I think there will be other institu- you know, other institutions that are um, less uh, conservative. Um, you know, that will that will bet on some of that stuff for sure. And, you know, like Tone Vase was talking, talking about this today, and he talks about this all the time. His thesis for why he thinks we're going to be under 3,000 all the way through, or between, somewhere between three and 6,000 all the way through uh, 2020, the rest of this year in 2020. And like, we're this in is Tone Vase. Sorry. Yeah. Was... Yep. Tone Vase. Yeah. And that we're, that we're, we'll see capitulation prices down in like the $1,500 range. Right. And, his main point that he cites, he's like, the reason why this is because Bitcoin is overvalued um, because all of these shit coins are overvalued. And that's his main argument is like, as long as these shit coins are being overvalued, Bitcoin's also being overvalued, which I just don't think is necessarily true. I think Bitcoin can be fairly valued or even undervalued while at the same time, all these shit coins are overvalued. I think that that, that can be true. I don't see why that would, wouldn't be a possibility but he seems to just brush that off um completely as out of the realm of possibility and i i think that there's going to be at least a couple more waves of you know uh shit coins making more than big you know, like out uh pricing or outpacing bitcoin so that there will be people speculating to make more bitcoin for at least a couple more cycles there's just too much learn too much education that needs to be done people just don't know what's happening so Plus the stable coins. I mean, the what, what Tether was the major like stable coin in the last top, but now there's like Binance trades like four stable coins. Like all these, you know, entities are gonna pump. There, it's not just gonna be Tether a Tether pump. It's gonna be all these other ones too. That it, so that's kind of like an unpredictable thing or hard to predict is what effect will these stablecoin entities do? I, I'm sure they're going to oh, do they're... something crazy and shady and print a bunch of tether at, for, or, or I'm sorry, a stable coin or whatever, and just pump the price. And then they'll figure out the like, you know, people will figure it out later. Like, Hey, 
they printed all kinds of coin and none of it was backed but now they're like you see what i'm saying like after the fact and if i recall these stable coins are primarily built on ethereum not um not tether but um all these other stable coins are built on ethereum yeah some of the big ones yep yeah but i think go ahead sorry yeah, I was just going to say Ethereum better really not, you know, mess it up going forward. It's going to lock up. Like mm-hmm. nobody will be able to sync with it. And they'll, there'll be four like nodes running somewhere and people realize it after the fact. They'll be like, whoa, this thing like got centralized and we didn't, didn't even know it. You know, I tried to run an Ethereum full node um, a couple of years ago, and it almost blew my computer up, uh, my laptop up. <laughs> Damn. Um, it's actually harder than you think. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but... Uh, was it I mean, a full archival node, or was it just a fast sync? Um, honestly, I don't even remember, but it was. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to fully sync it, because it was just... Uh, I was scared from my laptop at the time. <laughs> well, I, I want to, I want to bring it back to that point that uh, Brady said about Tone Vase because Bitcoin being undervalued, while altcoins being overvalued. Well, I, I, I disagree with Tone there because I think, um, I mean, that's one of these externalities that the stable coin will go through with the stable coins as well. The stable coins will seem to be more valuable than they are. Uh, Bitcoin will always be hated on. Bitcoin will always be marginalized. Bitcoin will always have some sort of dominance index against it. Um, so at the same time that altcoins kind of bring in money, right? Like the people buying Ripple, uh, altcoins do bring in money. But uh, they also kind of make a bad name for Bitcoin. So Bitcoin can't um, explode in value because, well, Bitcoin can't explode in value because all of these altcoins are kind of um, mixing up the narrative, right? Um, I don't know. That's my two cents on that. I'm having some whiskey, by the way. So if I kind of drag on, just cut me off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to chime in because, like, who's going to sell to get the price down that low? Like, I would think that all of the OGs that have been through these market cycles before probably timed the top better than the people that just held on the whole way through or sold at some point. Um, So I don't see who is holding right now that would be willing to sell under $2,000. Does anybody know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it, I think you'd have to be, there'd have to be something crazy that happened to really create genuine fear, you know? Yeah. I don't know a ton of Bitcoiners, but I don't know any that would even consider selling below 2000. And I know several people that are willing to buy well above 2000. So it's, I just don't like, unless it's a wick down because of some crazy thing on the exchanges. But if it happens, I don't feel like I will get to be able to buy Bitcoin under the 2000 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got a topic. Um, yeah, let's go. Get cosmic on us, Randy. No, no, it's actually uh, pretty <laughs> down to earth here. Um, Jimmy Song was tweeting about, see, I didn't, I, I didn't bookmark it, but basically one of the uh, bips for Bitcoin has to do with modularizing the uh, source code. And basically Bitcoin's going to break away from its dependence on QT. And so th- I think that this is going to be a significant like improvement on Bitcoin because it'll basically open up the uh, ability to compile Bitcoin for different platforms more who than said, j- who said this? Go- it, Jimmy song was tweeting about it, but basically I can't find it right now. I was looking through his, but basically one of the, I think it's a very significant um, thing that's going to happen when this, when it breaks away from QT. Cause that's one of the like underlying like issues with Bitcoin is its dependence on QT for its user interface. You're talking but, about core. Yes. Yes. And basically once Bitcoin, the source code is broken away from QT and is can basically just be compiled and run at the command line with no user interface at all. That's going to be, I think a very significant thing when it happens, because once it happens, you'll be able to target compiling Bitcoin for new platforms because it's because you know the way it sits now when you compile it it has to be compiled with the user interface with the qt user interface which is a third party like dependency that needs to be dealt with anyway but that's i mean i don't know if anybody's what's his recommendation for that like what does he have uh something he thinks the future is going to look like, or is he just saying this is a hiccup that, or a hurdle that we need to um, address? Well, I mean, if you look in the GitHub or yeah, the GitHub Bitcoin repository, it talks about how eventually they, I mean, it, they need Bitcoin needs to be autonomous and it needs to minimize its third party dependencies. And the biggest dependency is the QT framework to have the wallet. And so once it, it just kind of, I mean, QT has been, Bitcoin's been had a dependency on QT since the beginning and it's never been fully dealt with. And so the, the point is, is once the user interface is, like ripped out of it and and basically you can well the the plan is is you'll be able to compile a completely you know command line version of bitcoin and but you'll have the option of compiling a user interface and i mean it just opens up a lot of possibilities for different platforms and I don't know, I just kind of, I didn't know if anybody else was kind of following that, but I think it's going to be a significant thing because basically once that's ripped out, you'll be able to compile a very lightweight implementation of Bitcoin 
that can run on other stuff like an iPad or something, or, you know, and just, it'll, I think that'll be one of the real like significant things is you'll be able to embed it in lightweight operating systems for lack of a better word where it'll just, anyway, I don't know. Brady, what I, do you got on this? Cause you're, I know you're a, you're in a dev. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is in here. So uh, I, this is over my head. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been hearing people talk about modular modularization. Uh, the devs talk about it, and uh, yeah, it's it's something that needs to happen. Um, Bitcoin was written when it was written by Satoshi. It was just sort of all, <clears throat> excuse me, it was like all together into like just kind of one, or just a few giant scripts of C plus Mono- scripts, monolithic. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of monolithic structure, um, which. Makes sense because that's you know kind of what needs to happen to formulate to kind of bring the thing into existence, um, right. and it's been kind of slowly um, modular modularized more and more over the years. Um, I think there's kind of a focus now. I think as we're getting closer to os- ossification to be like, hey, we need to really kind of fully um, make the code. It, it, modularization makes the code more uh, manageable, uh, especially for the coders and. Uh, that way, you know, if you're working on something, some aspect of of core, uh, it has a much lower chance that it's going to interact or affect some other aspect of core if you have it well modularized and you can kind of focus on these um, functionalities uh, separately and without and kind of at the same time, lots of people can be working on different parts of the code without lots of interference um, of the changes uh, kind of propagating to other functions because they're just kind of they're they're separated out. So it's it's um it's a it's a better architecture for open source uh, software for sure, um, in terms of just the efficiency of development, with lots of people uh, in there. So, so like, are you saying? Sorry to jump in. So you're yeah. saying like, uh, Linux Linux has a kernel. Mm-hmm. So are you are you saying like, the consensus layer will be like that little kernel that's going to mm-hmm. ossify, but then yep. it's going to have different parts of this code base are going to be modular so that they can be upgraded and they won't necessarily touch consensus, this kernel. That's yeah, a very right. good analogy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing all of the consensus stuff into one module, basically that's separate from the rest of the code is, an, is a good example of how this would work. And um, so a lot of the crypt- crypto stuff got pulled out by Peter Wola and, and put into libsecp whatever it is uh the number is afterwards i can't think of it right now but it you know he did a bunch of work on kind of modularizing a lot of the crypto that's used by bitcoin core so that that's separated out and i I think really the next big one to tackle is consensus um and and to pull that out so that it's can't be affected by work on other parts of the code once it's pulled out and just it's just safer well, I just also want to name drop Eric Lombroso because he, when he first came into Bitcoin, I don't remember what year it was, but um, that was his initial reaction was this shit needs to be modularized. And that mm-hmm. was back, it, it was at least 2012, if not before. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and work on that has definitely happened. I think it's just something that, um, it, it's uh, there. There are other priorities, you know, that need to be addressed. Um, 
and this is, and now we're kind of getting to the point where, hey, you know, maybe it makes sense for us to spend some energy on modularization, um, and then spend the next, I don't know, five, ten years or whatever it's going to take to ossify this kind of really, um, really make it just a pristine code base and and uh, let it let it sit there and be the base layer and and just kind of move move up the stack and uh, slowly over time, Bitcoin will just the protocol layers will get uh, ossified one layer at a time, you know. Think about it this way. I remember when Mac OS OS X started shipping with Git. Like I remember, like there was pre Git. Like OS X didn't have Git. You had to like manually install it, and then one day you update it, and then you realize, hey, Mac Mac just started shipping Git in in the operating system. I think one day Bitcoin will be the same way. One yeah. day your computer system, like a Mac or whatever, is just, they're just going to start including it into the operating system. Yeah. And, and, I, just, and I, I think routers will get them, will have it embedded, you know, so you'll have TCP IP and BTC LN protocols, you know, and, and, and Bitcoin core and everything just in your router. Uh, and that'll be your that'll be your full node and your networking router at the same time. So you'll route payments and you'll route information, you know, pack data packets and payment packets with one device. Exactly. I, I, I still I wouldn't want that though. I I would like things as bare minimum as possible on my computer and my router. Yeah, I mean, like you could have a two different devices basically in one box, so it could still be functionally like having your Casa node sitting next to your router and just have it in one box. You know, they won't, they wouldn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, put on the same chipboard and integrated that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as far as consumer devices go, I, I'd see those two devices just having so much um, kind of in common that if you're going to have something in your house, that's going to route all your data for you, you might as well have the thing that's going to route all your payments for you there as well. I'm excited about it. I think it'll be an interesting development. Yeah, something along these lines that Pierre Richard dropped uh, when we talked last week was it really it kind of made me think and made me go, hmm. Was his hot take was that at some point all Bitcoin will be on the Lightning Network, and every base layer transaction, like every UTXO, uh, is a channel opening, and like every uh, you know every in Output is like a channel closing, and every out is a channel opening. Um, and if you think about the analogy between TCP/IP and BTCLN, those two stacks—that's that's what happened with TCP/IP. You know, because like everything happens over IP, and TCP is just there to support IP. So they kind of became one and the same thing. Um, but every all everything actually happens over IP on the internet. Um, Interesting. Well, they started as the same thing. They they were one monolithic uh, layer. And then I don't remember what year it was. It was early on, right. 80s, early 80s. It, they split it into TCP IP. So, um, but, uh, so was uh, Pierre saying that the on-chain would be like a sub-layer and Lightning would be like the base layer? Uh, no, I mean, I maybe i guess you could kind of say it that way but 
basically the I mean every every single UTXO would be related to either a channel open or channel close, and that all the activity and you know would be happening technically on Lightning, right? Like all the actual transactions and everything. So then, I mean, all of the all of the the UTXOs would technically be Lightning contracts, HTLCs, um, and then every UTXO is yeah is just channel opening and closings on the base layer. That's all. How how sufficient is that for um, privacy? Because if you're let's say um, you're routing transactions in the Lightning network, how would let's say an adversarial actor um, attempt to sort of monitor these transactions? Would they have to know or pr pretty much just monitor all the uh, Lightning channels? Similar how they do with like Tor, uh, uh, Tor exit nodes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things I think you can do there. One is, so yeah, you know, Lightning is using Tor um, by default. So just like with Tor, the the actor, the adversary would have to take control of like a majority, you know, or a, a quite, quite a lot of the, the nodes on the network to be able to kind of piece together what's happening with the traffic on the network. They'd, they'd actually have to like basically be running all the tour, like a lot of the tour nodes. Um, and that would be the same with lightning. Um, and then with something like Schnorr signatures, for instance, where we can compress tons of signature data uh, into like into one hash uh you can hide basically you can hide um a bunch of that detail into a single signature and so once there's a bunch of channel openings and closings happening on chain uh and you can can wrap a bunch of that stuff up into single signature and single transaction on chain um it's going to be i mean I, as far as i understand pretty damn hard to piece together um what's going on with any sort of reliability uh, so as long as we have a lot of lightning nodes out there and and a lot of Bitcoin core nodes, people running full nodes, um, we should be in pretty good shape. I got a question then. So what that means would be if you were going to send any money peer to peer, you would still you you would want to do it through lightning for privacy. So you would open up a channel, send it through lightning and say it was a big enough, you know, say it was a big purchase and the person on the other end was going to, you know, basically put it back on chain and like go into cold storage. Um, is that how it work? Like there really wouldn't be any, you wouldn't want to really do an on-chain transaction or. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think like if you can close, like closing a channel would be an on-chain transaction at least one, especially if you're if you're using something like Lightning Loop, for instance, which just came out, uh, just announced like ten days ago or something, uh, which basically allows you to kind of take funds out of a channel without having to close it. Essentially, um, it it makes it kind of cuts in half the number of transactions that needs to be done on chain uh, to empty a channel um, and create more incoming capacity. Um, and I think I said something a little incorrect earlier. I said Lightning runs over Tor on by default, which is not exactly right. So you you have to actually set up your Lightning node to run on Tor and kind of the node itself to be hidden on Tor. Other like by default, your node is public and your it's your the IP address it's using is public. 
Um, but what I meant was it uses onion routing by which is the same uh, way that Tor works. So the, the payment the payment routing is modeled after Tor routing. It uses onion routing. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. But um, the the most private way you could do it is have your have a private node that's running through Tor, so it can't be seen by anyone, um, and is only known to your kind of adjacent the adjacent nodes that it's connected to with channels. Uh, and those channels can be private. Um, so there's there's ways to be super private on on Lightning. So that and that's that's happened like that's available today, and I think it's just going to get easier to use privately. I take so, I take issue with the hundred percent. I think it's going to be more like ninety nine percent of transactions on chain are opening and closing, and then that one percent could be, you know, international large corporations settling um, things. And I I also think there's a dynamic between lightning transactions and on chain transactions, which is like the fee the fee on chain will be like i don't know three or four percent whatever credit cards are now whatever's man like like uh palatable to people then yeah. the the fees are going to be about that compared to lightning transactions right so if the fee takes up more percentage then people are going to go on lightning if, right. if the fee is only 1% for an on-chain transaction, people are going to go on-chain, yeah. most likely. Yeah, that's that's what is economically rational. Yeah, so most people would do that, I think. I got an idea. You want to hear some Bitcoin blasphemy? <laughs> okay, here's the thing is Litecoin is also compatible with Lightning Network. And I know that the zap wallet is already building litecoin support into their wallet oh, it's in not? it's in the source code i mean I, I i don't think they've like talked about it publicly but it's already they're already building litecoin support okay so the bitcoin blasphemy is litecoin might have a life on lightning network and here's why is like the long-term effect of lightning network is going to be, it's going to keep the blockchain lightweight for Bitcoin because there's going to be less on-chain transactions and kind of like a credit card, you know, say some retail or whatever that has some lightning point of sale terminal. They're just going to settle at the end of the day. They'll conduct their business in Bitcoin or possibly Litecoin, and then they're just going to settle their accounts at the end of the day, which long-term is going to keep the, the ledger lightweight, possibly for Bitcoin and Litecoin, where, you know, Ethereum is going to get choked out. You know, some of these other, I, I, can't, I can't even keep track of the coins, but, you know, they can't, what what was it like ZRX or whatever or one of them there I mean I know Ethereum's getting heavy but some of these other coins are getting heavy too where Lightning is going to ensure that the the ledger is going to stay lightweight for a long time so I think that kind of 
ties into what you guys were saying about, you know, all this, you're going to be able to conduct business just like a regular point of sale, like credit card machine, but it's going to be settled once it's, you're going to open up a channel saying the, you know, it's, you're going to keep a channel open for your business, but you're only going to settle it once a day at the end of business day or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Like for, yeah. as far as like the point That's of the sale kind of, and so there, you're not going to have to like, you know, commit a bunch of blocks to the, uh, you know, ledger Right. Where and go ahead. I just wanted to throw that in is people don't realize that they're already building Litecoin support too. So that you know, maybe that is the use case for Litecoin is just to keep the Bitcoin ledger lighter weight. Just just use this other one and you know, keep Bitcoin for more, you know, long term larger transaction type. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the exact idea is to scale by basically increasing the number of transactions represented by a UTXO on the main chain. And so, yeah, we can, we can do all kinds of transactions on, on lightning. And when you settle it, it results in, you know, it's, it's two transactions, one to open the channel, one to close it. And with things like submarine swaps, which has been, you know, been renamed loop lightning loop, that that's even that's like one transaction. You can keep that channel open for a long, long time and keep like, you know, with with the um, loop in and loop out, kind of move the liquidity to the side of the channel that you need it. And that's gonna be all automated soon. I mean, like over the next few years. Um, and we're all we're doing it kind of manually now, but the autopilot feature is already there, and it's you know it's pretty basic right now and doesn't work super well, but. Eventually, that is going to be, you know, um, AIified, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to learn. Uh, the algorithms are going to be developed to help it, you know, smartly manage your channels for you. And you know, the Lightning Network of the future is going to be this really just kind of simple, easy to use Cash App style um, ease of use. And yeah, I, I just now I just look this up. Yeah, uh, actually, Zap has been supporting Litecoin since December of 2018. December 23rd, Jack announced. Jack Mahler's announced it. Um, so it's been in there for a while, uh, and I didn't even know about it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't buy that idea that like is a place really. But I think it's you know the one thing it has been good for is. You know, kind of testing as a as a test net for for Bitcoin, a second test net for Bitcoin. That's actually kind of operating in um, in the real world. So the Bitcoin test net is fake money, and the Litecoin Litecoin is like Bitcoin's test net in the real world. You know, with real money. Live test, right? Yeah. No, Lightning Network uh, will kill Litecoin the same way it kill will kill all all coins. Because yeah. anytime you increase the liquidity between two things, the the more valuable one is going to take more and more share. Like that's why when these when these you want we want these altcoins to get added to Coinbase. We want these altcoins to get added to Binance or whatever. Because whenever they do, you know that just increases the ability for people to dump. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what they're going to do. So if there's 
submarine swaps, atomic swaps, whatever, um, it's it's going to be really bad for Light Litecoin. That's that's all I think about it. Right. Well, that's why I also think that the altcoins might go up with Bitcoin again this cycle, just because everyone there's so many bags and there's going to be so <laughs> many dumb people entering the market. Um, and it's not going to be hard to pump. Um, so I, I don't know. I see the altcoins continuing. They're going to turn more and more into pink sheet stocks, you know, like my kind of idea is what was the, the bottom market cap for altcoins, like 50 billion. I think 50 billion is okay. It's a little bit big, but uh the market cap like the it should stay it should stay back at 50 billion why bitcoin goes up you know what i mean well i think so so you know they'll probably be what well, what was the last cycle how many died last cycle because there's still some that were you know some of the very first altcoins aren't some of those still around or did Light all coin. those die Litecoin's still around. Uh, Namecoin died. Peercoin. I mean, yeah, I would say 90, 90% of them died. Um, but yeah, that's you're getting into the altcoin churn, and I think there will be a churn. Like, look at EOS. EOS is going up the charts. So j- right as Ethereum is having that going problems. Up? Well, because <laughs> Ethereum's having problems, right? And it's capitalizing on the feature war. And yeah, but so because one coin is having a problem, the other's going up. It wasn't an it was not an innovation on their side. Well, narratives evolve. Narratives evolve. So the the narrative was unstoppable code that got fucked up, and so Ethereum kind of pivoted into this ICO or DAP thing, and EOS does that better. So um, as you know, it's just gonna keep churning away i I think eos will probably be number two next year i bet you really that's pretty bold i mean it sucks it's a piece of shit but (laughs) (laughs) but but it'll be number two ethereum is a worse piece of shit probably than than eos damn Well, because Ethereum I, is centralized, right? Yeah, EOS no, is centralized, it. right? But uh, they're both centralized and they're fighting over features. Well, I'll tell you who's going to win the feature war. It's going to be EOS because Ethereum can't scale. Ethereum can't do this ETH 2.0. They're going to be stuck in this quagmire for 10 years. They're not. It's not going to happen. So I don't know. Yeah, but they'll just keep lying to themselves and then they'll keep believing the lies and the new people that come in will believe it and... Well, yeah, the, the last part is the most important. The new people coming in have to believe it. But yeah. when, when these new people are looking at EOS, this new flashy, they have all these fake transactions and fake dApps out there versus Ethereum, who are the noobs going to pick? Probably EOS. That's I know. I think opinion. I think Tron might even have more of a chance than EOS, actually, because <laughs> I mean, like. I don't know. It just, I just feel like Tron has just got this, like Justin's son has got this sort of uh, shit figured <laughs> out. He's, he's Vitalik 2.0 and he's doing it better than Vitalik did. Um, right. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tron at the number two spot sometime in the next couple of years. 
at oh. all. <laughs> what, did you guys did you guys see the Tron fake giveaway oh, yeah. for a car? <laughs> yeah, and apparently, like he, after he got shamed, he came back. He and said he's going to give away two Teslas. One to, I, that was what? A, what a, just a total? He did clusterfuck. Yeah, he he did. He did because uh, this guy who who uh, who won in the first drawing, and then there yeah. were like there were like um, challenges to the drawing, right? That that the drawing was was somehow like faked or like predetermined or something. Um, and so then Dustin Sun comes out and is like, and oh yeah, okay, here's the best part: the guy who won it, he lives in D.C. Uh, he's um, and and he, right? yeah, six year old kid. And he's like, tell, you know, <laughs> Hey, Justin, tell my six year old kid that he's not actually getting a Tesla. I just told him like two hours ago. And now you're saying you're like, going to redraw. And Justin son's like, Oh, I understand that this is an inconvenience. Here's two tickets to the next Tron conference. We'll even fly you over here. <laughs> this dude's like, F you man. Like I'd rather, you know, thanks, but no, thanks. Well, I, have there a, was, I have this upset six year old. And there um, was a whole, sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's a whole like debacle about like there was one frame because when they uploaded the video and YouTube or whatever, whoever they uploaded it to, they like encode it, right? That there yeah. was like one frame from the end of the video that got stuck in to like three minutes into the video. Yeah. And so people were seeing that one frame and they're like, oh, this is a scam. This was predetermined. Like this yeah. was supposed to be live and all this I, it's just, it's just incredible how, how much trouble these guys get in trying to pull off their scams, and then it pumps the next day. Who, who fucking knows? Yeah, man, it's uh, you know, any any news is or like uh, attention is is good attention, I guess, kind of thing. When it comes to marketing, that guy owned Twitter for like two days. I think some of these like EOS and Ethereum. A lot of them have big uh, conferences and a lot of developers are paid to work on these apps or dApps. So they have these big investments and there's a lot of, if, you know, if I'm a developer, I'm working on it, I'm going to sort of promote it. So a lot of people, you know, see that you're working on it and promoting it and it's sort of, sort of a false, I don't know, they're sort of getting paid and they don't want to bite the hand that feeds. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, Ooh. it's a, it's turtles all the way down though you know <laughs> but that's something terrible to like uh there's probably a lot of people that do like when they go to their job they they work 20 percent, and then 80 percent they're like just fucking around not doing anything and like that's not a good feeling and so the you know the developers that have to go to the conference and put on the you know like basically lie to people i mean that's gotta suck mm. Well, they yeah. get their talking points. They get their slides made for them, and <laughs> they, you know, the booth booth babes or booth people, they don't really know what's going on. <laughs> they just, they just have their, they're like that's why you hire marketing people because they can talk bullshit with you for an hour. So, did you guys see uh, Elon Musk become the CEO, CEO of Doge of for Doge. a couple hours yesterday? <laughs> and then he changed, so he changes his Twitter bio to CEO of Doge. He, he tweets out uh, Dogecoin rules, R U L Z, you know, of course. And then uh, somebody was just like, all right, well, that's it. I guess you're the CEO of Doge now, Elon. And so he actually puts it in his Twitter bio 
um, then tweets out something like Doge Doge value may vary and links to some onion article, which is like memeing the meme coin. <laughs> and, th- and then like an hour later, changes his Twitter bio to former CEO of Dogecoin. It's <laughs> like unbelievable. I love that you're saying it properly, Doge, because for years, 50% of people would say doggy or yeah. doggy <laughs> or something like that. You know, the thing about Doge, though, is um, it's kind of like Bitcoin. It's a snapshot of Bitcoin, you know, because it was like a early fork of Bitcoin. And it's yeah, and still it hasn't, functioning like, in like four years or anything. Right. That's like I mean, I think that says something about, you know, Bitcoin development, that there's this other fork that's still functioning and you know with very little development and it's kind of like a snapshot of bitcoin well, as it was i don't think it was it was a fork of the utxo set i don't think i think they restarted it i could be wrong i don't know no right right but as far as just the source code itself oh it's yeah it's a fork of the source code so in some way i think that's kind of interesting as far as it's still stable I mean, well, I love Dogecoin. I mean, it's it's kind of it's the meme coin, and I love that it has more transactions than Bcash <laughs> and SV combined. So that's that, is it really that's, awesome. that's yeah. a crazy statistic right there. Yep. Yeah, Bitcoin <laughs> and Bitcoin <laughs> and he's he's on the server. Um, to, I I want to get him in here, um, ASAP to chat with us, but. He has a great show, guys. If you are listening to podcasts a lot, that's Bitcoin and it's a very underrated podcast. And yeah, it is good. Yeah. And he, <laughs> every single episode, he'll say, and still Dogecoin has more. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's hilarious. He's online right now. We should invite him in here. We should, yeah, we should. Ping him. We should. Ping him. Yeah, Dogecoin. So it started out as that meme coin, and then it has script mining. So yeah, so it was based on Lucky Coin, okay, which which was which was a version of Litecoin, except it had a random a randomized reward. The block reward was like randomized, so that's why they called it Lucky Coin because it'd be like, hey, let's see what kind of random value you get for your block reward um, for the miners, which is just kind of a funny idea. Uh, so ultimately, it is a fork of Bitcoin uh, because Bitcoin, Litecoin was a, a fork of Bitcoin. Lucky uh, Coin was a fork of Litecoin. Dogecoin is a fork of Lucky Coin. <laughs> it's like incestuous, some kind of incestuous <laughs> source code. It's like well, then they, Lucky they, Coin, they, uh, lottery within a lottery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they uh, they merge mined with Litecoin. I think they still are merge mined. I'm not. I'm not sure on that actually, but. Um, they they've been on life support multiple times, and but they keep kicking, man. They keep kicking. I know there's a lot of OGs that actually still hold on to Dogecoin. One of my friends, uh, you know, he sold all his Litecoin, and he he sold a little <laughs> Bitcoin along the way, but he's still holding on to like three hundred thousand Dogecoin or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> nice. that's awesome. I think a while back I was joking that Doge coin will be the only like survivor of the crypto yeah. wars and it, some like it, nodal, 
some node will be running in the basement of MIT or something like <laughs> 300 years from now or something. Oh, there's no, no, there's no nodes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, kidding. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would, I would, I call it the, uh, badly needed, uh, little brother of Bitcoin that doesn't take itself so damn seriously, you know? <laughs> And 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 for that reason, it will it will be kept around by Bitcoiners who just appreciate the like, you know, the less serious nature. Yeah, I would love to see. I would love to see um, Dogecoin get up to the number two spot, right? Or I actually, this is what I'd love to see: Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin, one, two, three, just just for shits and giggles. So what's next? What's next? What are we talking about? We're at one hour and basically 15 minutes. Do we have another? You see that SEC thing? They gave guidelines on uh, ICOs today. Yeah, I saw a quick uh, tweet storm about it. I got about halfway through. Um, do you have a rundown for us? Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was a green line or not. But it seemed to be sort of a sort of inconclusive. Like some people basically saying you still have to be very careful. But I didn't dig that deep into it. The anyway. crypto thing to do would be to change it from an ICO to like an I, um, you know, IFO or. Uh, oh, they've already you know. done it. Yeah, they've and then, already... yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, that's that's all I was gonna say. Is it's like the the designer drugs and the in the uh, in the chemistry chemistry labs or whatever where they change like just part of the molecule and put it out for sale and it's you know no longer yet profiled or categorized yeah i think um they well they do the exchange launched and they do also private launched and so there's all these different acronyms floating around and i can't keep track of them but um, this sec thing the the First, I'll try to find that that thread and, and post it in the chat. But it was talking about they they ended up forgiving one of the ICOs because they had legal counsel that advised them that they weren't breaking securities regulations, and so due to that, they're going to let these guys skate. I don't, it's just like my first initial reaction reading all this stuff was. Uh, you think you're being, do you think there's consumer protection here? No, we're already seeing the beginnings of what I would call like it, it makes extortion illegal or sorry, it makes extortion too expensive. We're already seeing this with the SEC. They cannot keep up. They have to forgive people. They're, they're not going to be able to charge all these ICOs. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of them and it costs millions of dollars to prosecute these things. So um yeah uh, they're gonna let they're gonna let most of the ICOs skate unfortunately yeah they just don't have the capacity the bandwidth to hold everyone accountable so there'll be some uh, a few examples made but yeah most of those people are just gonna make get away with it now is a thick yeah uh Dan posted that in the chat that's the one I saw um yeah so is ethereum gonna be the example is Vitalik? 
I mean, it would be a good choice considering how, you know, it's the second most visible crypto. So if you wanted to send a message um, to future scammers <laughs> who are going to consider doing something similar, uh, that, that would be a good way to do it for sure. So this is a net negative for Ethereum. And like, at least for these big ones, I would say it's a net negative for them. Um, but these small ICOs are probably celebrating right now. Imagine Vitalik in a bright orange unicorn jumpsuit. <laughs> I just keep thinking of that character, the metallic character, metallic character in, uh, in the Bitcoin and Friends stuff. Right. <laughs> and he's down there, they're up there playing World of Warcraft and. And he's like, this is just a, a decent, they solved the double spending problem. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and, oh man. And he just, you could just Dude, like, that was good. That was good, man. <laughs> you just see him. I, I hope there's an episode uh, where he, like, it goes on and like he invents Ethereum and then gets arrested by the SEC. <laughs> and there, I hope there's a unicorn orange jumpsuit <laughs> and like he's in the cell next to Ross Ulbricht, you know, and like, they come and they, they get Ross and he's they finally like, hey, Ross, you know, uh, your appeal finally went through. You're free man again. And Vitalik is like, that's just so not fair at all, guys. Like, come on. How Finney's uh, like, cyborg helps Bitcoin break Ross Ulbricht out of prison. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. He he gets he's like reanimated. His frozen brain is put into a like a cyborg body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's his brain's frozen somewhere. I think it's in Arizona. Uh, so we may some like some epic future day. Hal like rises from his cryonic sleep and just says, "Hey guys, I'm Satoshi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. I'm glad it all worked out." And you're welcome. <laughs> well, he'll he'll like because his wife's name is Fran or something like that. Um, he'll be like, Fran, you didn't keep my skin. I tattooed my private keys onto my skin. Oh, shit. <laughs> you're supposed to freeze my whole body, <laughs> my brain and my right forearm. <laughs> Her account got hacked a couple years back, and there was a few messages that came out, and people were flipping shit for a little while and then uh then she got back control of it i guess account on what on twitter sorry yeah the what uh, was the tweet what was what was the she got hacked and then they what, what did they tweet do you remember it, it, no i don't remember what it was now it, you know it's something like you know my husband told me he was satoshi or something like that and um yeah, that was her account on Twitter, but she got back control of it after just a few minutes and then uh, deleted those tweets. So I don't know if you might be able to find some trace of it on Google if you search it. But um, yeah, it caused a little ruckus for a while. You know, anyway, I, I, go ahead. I think Randy. what you all said that um, what was it, uh, Don? Donald Trump Jr. isn't a crypto. 
Did somebody say that? Anyway, you know, yeah, the, uh, that. back to that Ross Albrecht thing. I think, you know, you know, regardless, you know, setting aside like political like things, I could see Donald Trump doing like a last minute pardon of him if the community was able to get the ear of Donald Trump Jr. I think that that would be the way to get that guy pardoned is to actually kind of focus on Donald Trump Jr. Because he's kind of, you know, he's aware of like Bitcoin and this kind of thing. And, you know, whether it's this, you know, uh, Donald Trump serves one, you know, one term or two, I could see him doing like a last minute pardon of him if if Donald Donald Jr. is able to get his ear or something like that. I don't know. I, mean, I was just kind of like thinking about that. So I just wanted to throw that out there is I could see the Twitter community doing something, something like that, where instead of focusing on getting Donald Trump to do it, to get his son to like grab his dad's ear and be yeah, like, it could be like it could be Donald Trump's Chelsea Manning. You know what Obama. I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. I think that would be a interesting uh, event if that happened. Something's well, gonna both. happen. Yeah, both Ross and Julian Assange, like, there's two huge cases that can make a big statement. I can't believe that Julian Assange is still, like, basically in jail because. I mean, it's it's a total free speech issue, and this to me, like, if if I were a Donald Trump voter, I would be like up in arms, like, why aren't you protecting freedom of speech and all that? So I, it just boggles the mind, man. It boggles the mind. I mean, I can't imagine, like, when I was in the Navy, I one year I spent 300 days in the dark. I couldn't imagine what he, that guy's going through, like not being able to leave that, that building. Basically it's, I imagine he's going to die in that building. Like just the lack of, you know, stimulus being able to walk around outside. Like I can't imagine like it, it taxed me just doing that for like one year, just like not like seeing, obviously he's getting daylight, but it's kind of like the same kind of thing, like this sensory deprivation, like lack of stimulus kind of thing. Like I couldn't imagine like what that guy is going through. Cause I mean, I just kind of experienced it for one year of just like, whew, I couldn't even imagine that. So I feel for the guy. And yep. he's, he's cypherpunk number two or something, right? Like he was very early on the crypto mailing list. And um, that guy is one of us for sure. Right. So, moment of silence for him, right? All right. Moment of silence over. Are, is there any more topics that we have? I got sure. nothing. I'm gonna you have know, to bounce either way. Uh, here in yeah. a couple. 
Yeah, me too. All righty. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys. I'm just going to go down the, the list here real quick. Um, uh, Brady, uh, do you want to, do you have any parting words? Uh, run a full node. Um, get Pierre Richard's node launcher if you're on a Windows desktop. Um, it's an easiest way to do it. And become a sovereign citizen of Bitcoin. Start learning. And uh, yeah, enjoy. It's still super early. Um, it, it, it's a, amazing that you're here right now. Uh, the next 5, 10, 20 years is going to be incredible. So keep, le- keep listening to Bitcoin and Markets. Keep learning and run a full node. That's my parting shot. And listen to Citizen Bitcoin. All right, Dan, what's, what's up? Do you have any parting words for us? No, no, I'm good for today. I'll see you guys. All righty. Jeff, any parting words? I think uh, Brady summed it up pretty well, so I'll just leave it at that. All righty. Randy, any parting uh, words? I'm digging uh, Jimmy Song's book, Programming Bitcoin. I'm kind of digging my way through that. I'm in like chapter eight or something, networking, that kind of stuff. So if you're into computer science or programming, I that's a pretty good book, man. It's pretty. It gets pretty heavy, but if you're into it, check it out. Yeah, I, I love Jimmy Song. I think he's great, great guy. Uh, he has six kids. Can you believe that? Wow. And yeah, uh, I, I gave him a hard time during the scaling debates back there, the scaling conflict back in 2016, 17. Um, but once I learned that he had six kids, I was like, holy shit, dude, how do you do it? So yeah, um, yeah great guy. All right, uh, Sauced. Uh, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the server. Do you have any parting words? Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, I just want to say keep stacking sats, take your profits if you're trading and uh, get those coins off your exchanges and run your own Bitcoin full net. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks guys. 